The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. From Cambridge into our Town 17, the Northern White Crap Theory. How can you listen to idiots like him that's just been on? Tonight's song is... Today we have Steve Pringle from uh, The Fallen Fives, and we're talking about uh, the song Couples vs. Jobless Mid-30s. Um, it was released on New Facts Emerge, the final fall studio album, um, on July 28th, 2017. And that's about all you need to know for at least the release. So, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, The Fallen Fives, and then we can kind of move on to the song from there. Like, how did you, did, how did you start The Fallen Fives? What is The Fallen Fives? That sort of thing. <coughs> Okay, sure. So, well, if I give a bit of context to me, and because you know everyone has their own different fall journey, don't they? And um, yeah, through having done the writing and been on the social media and the fall online forum, the rest of it, there seems to be two main routes into the fall. Um, one is the sort of Damascene conversion. So, you know, I, I heard New Puritan on John Peel, and my life was changed forever, and you know that sort of route into it. But then you also get people who hear a song that they like, and they take a while to get into it. Um, you know, I had somebody on the on the radio show that I've been doing saying that they, they loved Free Range, but they didn't like the rest of the album. And then the next album they bought was the 27 Points, which is probably not a great introduction. Um, and it took them gradually through sort of rooting around in the back catalogue to actually sort of get a grip on their liking for the four. Um, and I'm not really either of those, to be honest. Um, the first fall album I knew well was Wonderful and Frightening, um, which came out when I was 15. And I was given it by a, a friend, a girl. She wasn't a girlfriend. She was a friend that was a girl. And she was she was dating this um, older guy. So we were 15. He was a student at local university. And I think he was making a mixtapes to, you know, impress. As, as, as young gentlemen are wont to do, you know, to impress the ladies, make them a make them a mixtape. Certainly you did back in the <laughs> mid-80s anyway. Um, anyway, and, and she and gave it to me. To, well, true. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> And she gave you, she said, um, she said, I'm going to give this to you because it's too weird for me, this tape. Um, and I was just blown away by Lay of the Land um, because I'd never heard anything that sounded like that. Um, and I know I used to play it to death. I can't remember what was originally on the other side of the C90, but I know I, I had a tape to tape deck and I recorded it onto another blank tape and then re-recorded it onto the other side. So I had it on both sides. So one side had a second generation copy and the other one had like a fourth generation copy, which must have been full of hits and fuzz and whatnot. But, um, so yes, yeah, so that's, that's why I started. And then um, the first album I bought on, on vinyl was This Nation Saving Grace, which still remains for me my favourite um, fall album. And I kept buying fall albums when I was at university and so on. And then, and, and I'm not totally uncommon in this, in the 90s, the fall sort of fell away from me a little bit. I did I've come to appreciate it now, but the Dave Bushes, the electronic, it sounded a bit too similar to lots of other stuff that was sort of in the indie charts at the time. And I just felt at the time they'd sort of lost their uniqueness uh, a bit. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, in, I got married in 92. Um, I had kids. I have five children. Um, wow. Um, youngest is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scarily, the eldest is 25 this year, which I don't want to think about. But, um, so, you know, when you've got a young family growing up, and, and in those days you didn't have Spotify or YouTube and stuff to look things up. You've got to rely on reading the music magazines and stuff, which, you know, and pressures of work and family, you know, and it just sort of fell away from me a bit. And I think my, my interest was really rekindled when I read Dave Simpson's article in The Guardian that eventually became his book, The Fallen. Mm. Um, oh, okay. And 
Um, and then my uh, my wife bought me Dave Simpson's book. And from that point on, I, I was reading it thinking, wow, there are so many full albums I've never heard of. Um, you know, it was right about Are You Are Missing Winner and, and, and stuff like this. I think, geez, I've just not heard of these. So I sort of voraciously, you know, went through the back catalogue. And then how the Falling Fives actually came about. Sorry, I realised that was quite a long preamble, but... Um, That's okay. I joined the... I joined the Fall Online Forum in, I think, about 2017. I hadn't joined it straight away. I'd been, I'd been warned about the Fall Online Forum. I don't know whether you've ever <laughs> been on there. But, um, yeah, yeah. It can be a quite fractious and difficult place. And lots of people said, oh, don't go on there. We'll just tell you to F off, and it's just you know, terrible. Um, but I, I, I bit the bullet eventually and joined. And it, it, it has its moments. Um, some people on there are easier to get along with than others. Um, I mean... Chris, you've had on, and obviously Dan's become quite a good good friend of mine, uh, as in Danny No. Um, but yeah, but it goes through phases, the four online forum, where everybody just gets very fractious and horrible, and there's lots of insults thrown about. And <laughs> about ooh, a year or so after I had joined, it went through one of those phases. And I thought, you know, I'm not getting any pleasure from this. Everything you say, somebody jumps down your throat and insults you. I said, well, if I'm not spending time on the forum in the evening, what am I going to do? And just I got the notion of writing something about the fall, perhaps a bit about my journey and how I'd got there. Uh, and as I said, my my work lifestyle involves quite a bit of time, you know, in hotel rooms of an evening, which gives you sort of that, that space to do it. And to be honest, I'd always wanted to be a music writer. I just never had the discipline to sort of go out doing it properly. Um, I sort of fell into teaching, like, you know, like a lot of people sort of do, really. Um and why the fives? Funnily enough, it was originally going to be called the fall five a day. Now, I don't know whether you've heard of the phrase five a day. Um, it's a sort of a health, public health initiative in the UK. Oh, it's been around yeah. for several years now. And the idea is that everyone should eat five portions of fruit and veg, fruit or veg a day. Um, and I must have seen an advert or something with that on. And I don't know, somehow it clicked. And I'd worked out that there were 525 songs, which, of course, was divisible by five. <laughs> so I then thought, right, okay, so I'll do five songs a day. And then I realised, well, that's insane. I can't listen to and write about five songs every day for 105 days consecutively. That, that would be madness. But I quite like the idea of bunching it to fives. Um, and then I just came up with the idea of doing it random. So I got a random number generated, generated the numbers one to 525 and started doing it. And... My mission in the beginning was really, I thought, well, if I get the, the sort of three figures of people reading it, I'll be pleased with that. You know, if I, if I do half a dozen of these and I'm still getting you know, only 12 people that I know reading it, I might just you know, knock it on the head. But it went up and it climbed 100, 200. And then I think about a dozen or so posts in, somebody posted it on the Mighty Fall Facebook page. Now, I'd not been on Facebook for years. I'd, I'd left it for a variety of reasons. Um, but all of a sudden, I'd, I was getting seven, eight hundred views um, <laughs> reach plus, and it, and, it, and it just took off. And by the end, the the last one, the sort of R.I.P. Marky e. Smith one, I think got thirteen hundred views in the first twenty four hours. Wow, yeah. um, so you know, it, it really took off. So yeah, that was it. And once I started doing the random bit, it then occurred to me that you know, there's a whole story behind the fall that I've sort of picked up bits of in Dave Simpson's book. Uh, I got um, Simon, um, oh, his name's gone out of my head, Simon Ford's book, um, which, but that only goes to 2001. And I thought, well, there's a really interesting story because Simon Ford's book, Hip Priest, I don't know whether you've, you've got it. Um, oh, no, no. It, it ends in 2001. And when you think about that, that's half of the group's career, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and there was just very little in all the other literature about stuff that had come later. So 
I went back and thought, right, I'll, I'll try and tell the story, do it chronologically in a way that MES would have hated. I mean, he would hate, <laughs> you must get them all. I mean, he specifically says, does he, in Middle's book, he said, Mick, you're not going to write it, like, you know, this album, then this album, and write all the songs in order. That would be so boring. Who would want to read that? Um, so if he is looking down on me or looking up at me from wherever he is, I think he would heartily, heartily disapprove. But then he'd heartily disapprove of pretty much everybody's books, wouldn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's really how it all came about. Interesting. Uh, so let's move on to uh, couples versus jobless mid thirties. Um, do you want to start off with why you chose this song or why you thought it would be good for us to discuss today? Yeah, a number of reasons. I mean, I'm not going to tell you, turn around and tell you this is one, this is my favorite full song. Sure, it's probably sure. not even, I would, if you could do such a thing, it's probably not even in my top 20, but obviously you know, I don't know how many of these you've done by now, but a lot of my top 20 have already been covered, um, obviously. Yeah, also... Um, also I wanted, oh, sorry. Also, I was going to say my top 20 definitely changes from month to month. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, there's that too. So so no worries yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's true of, of everybody. In fact, you know, the radio show I've been, I've been doing, people have been sending in contributions, and I've changed the title to my special full song because people say, well... I, I couldn't possibly choose a right. favourite, or I could today, it'll be, be different tomorrow. So, you know, some people have done the song that first got me into it or something that has some significance for them. But I wanted to do something from later on. I was very tempted to choose something from Remit because I think Remit, amongst the whole back catalogue, is the most criminally underrated album. I think Remit is great. And when you okay. see full rankings, it's always in the bottom three for people, and I really just don't understand it. Um, you know... But um, anyway, that, that don't, don't get me started on remix. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to do something like, and I wanted to do something a bit different. And there's something about couples that's so true. I mean, it's mad for a start. It's a completely insane song, um, yeah, yeah. even by late <laughs> standards. And I, I, I admire that. It's also got, um, if you look at the Fall Online Forum and you look at the other music that's discussed, there's quite, there's quite a heavy representation of people who like prog, quite surprisingly. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm one of them. I'm a big fan, for example, of you know early '70s Genesis and stuff like that. Um, and actually, I think Couples is is quite a proggy song in many ways. You know, all the different passages and changes in time signature, and there's a quite a scope and ambition to it as well. I mean, Smith. I mean, as ever, the stories about how they came to write it and record it differ depending on who you ask. You know, the musicians always tend to tell a different tale to. Smith Smith was not the most reliable narrator, is he, of his uh, of his own history? <laughs> sure, uh, sure. <laughs> to put it mildly, yeah. <laughs> um, but there does seem to have been some sort of concept behind it. You know, both um, uh, Dave Spur and Kira Melling said that you know Smith had this idea of something operatic. So I like the scope of it, um, and I think it, I thought it was an interesting talking point as well because I think there's quite a bit of a prog vein that runs through the fall all the way through. I'm not saying they ever sound like Genesis. Um, uh, but, you know, even if you go back to Mess of My, I think there's something quite prog-like about the way that's structured. Um, you know, Session Musician is another one. Um, there's quite a few songs. Uh, what else? Oh, actually, I wrote a list down because I knew my mind would go blank otherwise. Yeah, Chislers, <laughs> various versions of Chislers. That's, I mean, I know the, the group weren't overly happy with how that came out, but there's a, a similar level, I think, of different passages and sequences. Uh, 50-Year-Old Man yeah, yeah. is another one as well. yeah. Yeah, um, various versions of that. So 
I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked its ambition. And I liked its insanity. I like the fact that you can. I mean, there's some great phrases in it. I mean, if 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 they are what they are. I mean, the things like gargoyle legs and upwardly BT rancid. I mean, um, and the references to green jelly make me laugh. Um, you you well well. I don't know. Have you heard of the comedian Stuart Lee? Yeah 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 yeah. 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 Trying to get him on the show for a while. Which he transfers. <laughs> yeah, we sorry. Oh, we're working to uh, at least, hopefully, possibly get him on one of these uh, to come talk. Okay, okay. Hopefully, he listens. Yeah. To I mean, I, I, I to come on. <laughs> well, he he. Uh, yeah, I mean, Stu and I have have exchanged the odd email, um, <laughs> and if I do get if I do get, you must get them all made into a book, which hopefully will happen at some point this year. Fingers crossed. He has. Oh, a, nice. Um, he has indicated that he would write an introduction for it as well. So. Oh, awesome. Um, so, so fingers crossed with that. <laughs> um, so, how did I get on to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this is quite hard. This won't translate state size as well, but basically a TV show that Stuart was involved in early in his career had a character pretending to be another famous British TV character, and one of his catchphrases was about green jelly. Uh, and I, there's lots, you know, Chris um, suggests several meanings behind the green jelly phrase. Um, including one, I don't know whether you read it, but one quite unpleasant medical explanation of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I read. I read. Smith, I read that. Smith might have been exuding some sort of green substance that he was writing about, which I didn't really want to entertain that idea. <laughs> no, when I read him, uh, yeah, that was pretty gross. Uh, I found Fists of Fun just because I was looking up stuff about Stuart Lee, okay. and so that's what that. So I knew what that was about, but I don't know that I'd ever seen that character the green yeah, jelly well, character was, like, pretending to be rod hull and rod hull is a very sort of british institution right um, he used to appear with a puppet called emu i don't know whether you've come across that probably not <laughs> no. no he had i've his, seen pictures of this emu it <laughs> was one of these had a false arm around it and his own arm is you know uh-huh. um, operating it and he it was quite famous when i was a kid he used to go on chat shows and the emu would attack the host and he famously attacked Grace Jones, I seem to remember, on one TV show. Oh, oh really? God, that's right. Um, I've seen video of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so guessing yeah, so, she didn't take it well. Oh, no. I'm guessing no, she wasn't I mean, very happy about that. Yeah. I think you've got to be a brave man to do to get within <laughs> any sort of striking distance of Grace Jones. Right, right. Uh, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that was one connection I drew. I mean, this, it's, it's just, you know, you look at the lyric. I mean, um, there's just so much you could get out of it and it is just a complete mystery but uh, it, it, I don't know another intriguing thing about the song I think is that there's a hint um, in the way that um, Dave Spur and Kira Melling describe how they put it together that they might have had some involvement in the words as well as the music which is quite interesting um, now you know Smith's I mean again their, their version his version is different you know <laughs> they you know created it to you know to, to Smith's vision is, is their version Smith says he left them over the studio. He took the best bits of five or six songs and stuck them together properly. Right, right, with, right. With his, 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 his genius hat on. Um, and the truth, <laughs> I think, normally with these things lies somewhere be- between the two. Um, but, um, yeah, but the, you know, he said when he came back, they'd been writing a song about Eagles of Death Metal. And Eagles of Death Metal do appear in the lyric, even if it's just in that strange sort of floaty backing vocal. So, right, right. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't get I, that was the one of the few things where I'm just like where the hell did that come from and if it's just a leftover from 
uh, early lyrics, then that kind that makes a little more sense than whatever I could come up with. So, no, I thought that was a weird part. Well, of the, the song, notion but... that Smith said, you know, you can't write about. I mean, the notion of him saying, "Oh, you can't write about that because that was that group in the in the massacre and so on." Right, it's a bit right. at odds with the fact that then you know he wrote the thing about Victoria Station that um, you know Victoria massacre that he, that he then wouldn't change, but. Um, so that, that all seems a little bit old. But yeah, there's nothing else in the words anywhere that you could connect. I don't think to that the you know the the French um, you know the, the massacre that took place. So sure, sure. I, don't know. I mean, I, I mean, um, <laughs> new facts emerge gets a lot of stick from some four fans, particularly the you know the look back bores who think that you know everything everything ended when Bricks joined um, because they'll say <laughs> you know it's. New facts emerges, oh, it's just bludgeoning riffs and Smith rambling drunkly over the top, to which my answer would be, what's wrong with that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot more subtlety the new, to new facts emerge than it gets credit for. I think I think sometimes perhaps its sequencing doesn't do her any favours because the riff-heavy songs are all very front-loaded. Uh, um, but, you know, perverse song sequencing is, is a trademark of the fall, isn't it? You know, where would we... You know, we probably wouldn't be without it anyway. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I I, I think I put in the blog that it was sounded in places a bit like, um, um, what did I say? Was it um, uh, Hawkwind jamming with the butthole surface? <laughs> <laughs> that completely makes sense. No, I was trying to figure out what that main bass line was reminding me of, and I couldn't, I still haven't figured it out like quite more that first that first baseline it reminds me of something that i can't really put my finger on and it's not it's not the band green jelly or anything you know what i mean like there's something very, yeah i looked that I up until, until i read chris's page i'd never heard of green jelly and that three little pigs thing um oh it was a really horrible uh it was sort of famous here in the US, but it was just one of those really weird and horrible uh, MTV videos that showed up in the early 90s. And I think they even made it onto Beavis and Butthead at some point. I don't know if Beavis and Butthead made it to the UK. Beavis and Butthead did, yes. yes. Okay. Um, not that, that song, that hasn't... Tra- I think that's translated as well as Rod Hull did the other way. Yeah, I think probably. <laughs> probably. Um, no, that makes sense. So no, anyway, I, looked, which, I looked it up on YouTube and I have to say I managed about 90 seconds of it. Before yeah, I it's pretty bad. Yeah, and, then, and it's the, <laughs> it was, the weirdest uh, thing about them oh, is they're ahead. still... The weirdest thing about Green Jelly is they're still kind of a going concern. Like, they've toured a lot oh, here yeah. and, and have stopped by here where we live in Portland a couple of times. And I'm just like, why, you know, well, who's the audience for this? I, I don't understand. No. Yeah. They weren't even, they weren't even that big, which is what makes it really weird. Yeah. It was, they're definitely a one hit wonder. So yeah. No, I'm, I'm as far as the fall song is concerned, I'm going with a Rod Hull interpretation. Okay. No, I think that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, I also like your uh, idea about Prague in the fall because Bob and I actually got together for the first time in like a year in my house to, to do an episode, which I haven't posted yet. But uh, it was on like our favorite and least favorite uh, fall covers. And I picked War, um, which is the Slap Happy slash Henry yeah. Cow song. But I've always felt like there there's like a definite Prague-ish lineage through a lot of false stuff uh whether or not 
they're playing two chords for most of the song. The way they've constructed it might be a little more proggy or they might throw in some weird instrumentation or sounds or something, you know, and kind of at least to play with the form of the song in a, in a, in a sort of proggish rock and opposition kraut rocky sort of way, which all falls under prog in some sort of large umbrella thing, I would say. Um, I mean, we could argue that, but that's kind of just, how record bins go at least here in the u.s is like yeah that kind of falls in the prog bin um so i i definitely agree i think there's i think he was probably more of a prog fan than he would let on maybe even at the end whenever they were doing well what we said was they were doing more straight ahead just rock songs and he was doing like they were doing covers of like old 50s songs and stuff like that you know like for old and money, yeah, and yeah. I mean, like his passion was, was was clearly for things like you know, trucking songs. He was very really keen on you know trucking songs and stuff, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. So, that kind of seems to be true. His, yeah, his his derision for for other music, and you know, there's plenty. You could make a long list of artists he's he's derided or you know sort of um, <laughs> turned a wry eye on. Um, they tend to be either people who he thinks are being derivative. Of, of him so hence the you know the dislike for pavement as an no. example um, or his objections are more to sort of the, the the traditional rock end of things you know um you know he, he disliked nirvana because he, i think he could see it as just you know a rehash of of neil young and led zeppelin and, and all that sort of thing that's what he goes for where he does have a i mean because he does mock marillion and genesis um right, song, right. Just, got out of my head which song that's in i was guest informant i think isn't it something about um 1973 Genesis or Marillion LP cover. Right, um, right. Which is a bit of a weird thing to say because the members of Marillion were all about 12 or 13 in 1983. <laughs> um, no, 1973, sorry, not 1983. Right, right, um, right. But yeah, I think it's, it's I think where he expresses derision, that's all about the, the artwork, you know, the Roger Dean artwork and all that sort of thing, that um, aspect of prog. Um, and... Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's a few songs. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, um, you know, a, a, a two minutes of Tony Banks on the piano doing some sort of classical motif. You're not going to get right. lengthy guitar <laughs> solos. You know, you're not going to get drum solos and anything like that. Um, but another good example I think is Markel Sinkus, which I think is that has quite yeah. a, a progish tone to it in places. Yeah, um, I think actually when we did that song, I said something about it sounding kind of like. Um, some prog band and <laughs> now I can't even remember who it was you know it's not like King Crimson but it was somebody like progish like a groundhog sort of song although I guess they get they're more blues I guess uh, in in scope but uh they tend to have the 10 minute guitar solos or whatever but it sounded but it sounded like that sort of 70s proggy sort of thing so yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Is you know what I'm getting at. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And there's also those four songs that aren't necessarily you know we talked about the structure of them being quite prog like, so something like Fifty Year Old Man, for example. But you've also got um, a few like what's one um, exploding chimney. There's that Mellotron sound on it, which to me sounds as though it's been lifted off you know some twenty minute piece from 1973. It doesn't sound like a prog song, but right. there's a bit of, in, a bit of instrumentation here and there. Um, I think well, you that, can hear that as well. Yeah, I think that the uh, Mellotron on here is definitely the same sort of way. It's that it's just detuned to, or possibly just played on the wrong keys. Uh, 
to make it sound like a warbly sort of like horror film soundtrack or something like that within within this yeah. song that I really like. I like that yeah, aspect. There's of something it. sort of there's something sort of dreamscape nightmarish about um, the whole thing. It does, it really does sound quite ominous. Yeah, uh, and and almost evil in places. And I think my my favorite bit is a couple of minutes before the end because you get this real dark swirl of noise. You know, the swirl and there's a bit things a little bit. Uh, mind the atmosphere, you know, um, and this day, um, how, towards to me has that sort of sort of dark carnival, sort of Ray Bradbury, um, oh, yeah. you know, sort of, I mean, um, um, Tom Waits type, the carny comes to town, but something evil <laughs> is afoot, you know, absolutely. And there's a bit of that here, and there's a bit, say, about two minutes from the end, where you've got all this dark, woozy swirl going on, and then the bit, the group sort of gallop back in with that sort of bit where it goes waiting, waiting, and they charge back in and the last bit I just think is is fabulous it's just too short it could go that could easily have gone on for another three four minutes for me that last bit sure sure no I agree uh yeah I personally I really like this song a lot like the the way it's all set up this is the first time I'd actually sat down with this whole album so I feel bad about that but usually uh, this isn't the one that I want to listen to when I think of the fall. And, and so, and just been doing this podcast and everything been going kind of all over the place and just hadn't hit new facts emerge yet. So thank you for doing, yeah. for bringing this one in because it made me listen well, to that's it. One of the reasons uh, I chose it because I looked at the list and thought we could, you know, be really nice to look at yeah. something from the last time. And it, I'll tell you what, I, what struck me when I was looking at it as well is it, it is nearly four years old now. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I know, it doesn't seem that yeah. old. <laughs> it seems like it was, you know, just last year that he died and that it, and this came out like right before he died too. So it's, yeah, it's really, well, not right before, but seemingly time-wise, it seemed like it was right before. Um, so yeah, it's, but I think that it, it's definitely got a prog thing going. It's got like the, uh, I don't know, it, it even harks back to the early days in a way like um, like Spectre versus Rector, where they had the, you know, the different levels of the song where it was like the practice room and then it comes in with the studio version and it's all just kind of mashed together and they were doing things like that. Or if it was like accidentally hitting record on a television show in the middle of some, you know, in the middle of uh, paintwork or whatever, you know, like there were definite things like that going on, except this seemed to be way more involved with all within the studio rather than him bringing in a tape or something he just let or whatever he let them do it in the studio or he you know whipped yeah. them into shape in the studio to borrow captain beefheart image but uh so you know um but I, but i really enjoyed this song a lot uh as far as the music goes the lyrics were like i said a little bit different for me um but there is one thing that i really liked about the lyrics and this was just a running thing that I've been thinking about for the last week. And that's all the elves that were in the song. Okay. Um, so there, there's lots of elves that are mentioned, but also, and I think it was on Annotated Falls, somebody mentioned the song elves. And then that led me to think about maybe this song was in some sort of way actually was kind of leaning towards the song elves and that that would have involved bricks and he and uh this was around the time that elena is it palau i guess um had left him um so i don't i mean and that's just my speculation maybe he was actually trying to conflate time in that sort of way and talk about how 
you know, things yeah. he, that's the sort of space he was in at the time. I don't know that that could be completely wrong, but uh, I don't know. That was the first thing that kind of popped into my head. And I also think like the beginning part of this song sounds a lot like, especially the guitar work at the very beginning sounds a lot like a Stooges song. Like it sounds a lot like something from like, you know, 1969 or so, you know what I mean? Like the song, like with the was and stuff like that. So anyway, that was just what I was thinking about the lyrics. That's the one thing I could come up with that was kind of interesting to me. Um, and I have no yeah. idea. He, I can't imagine he would ever talk about it, even if it was like related in that some in some sort of way. Well, but yeah, I, I don't I, know. A bit off because the, the only bit, because uh, I just do remember the only bit Smith ever said. Um, uh, I've lost lost it now. Um, oh yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what the policy is on swearing, so I, I, I won't oh, swear. You can, the only thing you, you can go with. ahead. Yeah, <laughs> you okay, can swear okay. if you want. <laughs> just uh, well, if, if my mother does listen to this, she won't make it this far in. So it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only thing he ever said about about it was um, uh, this fucking woman is shouting at her young son who owns a factory. Yeah, yeah exactly. The only explanation I, I've got. I mean, there is a bit about. Um, about a woman torturing him in the big house or something. That's that's probably the only bit you could relate to that. But, you know, yeah. I mean, all of these songs. I mean, it came to a point. When, when I sent my first draft of the book version, you must get them all to the publisher. Um, what I'd really done, a little bit naive because I'd never written a book before, um, is I'd really just taken <laughs> the blog and sort of rewritten it in a form. Because the first thing you've got to do is take all the links out because... You know, you, you write right. blog writing in our way, you, you, you insert all the links in the text, don't you? And you write that way to fit that approach. And then when you're writing a text text, you've got to take that all out and do it differently. Right. Um, yeah. And one of the things I've done is because I'd written it in installments, I hadn't thought about it from the way, you know, the way it flows all the way through. And one thing the, the guy from the publishing firm said, you've got to stop saying no one will ever know what this means or this is completely <laughs> unfathomable or whatever, because yes, we get it. So I had to change that and say at some point around, well, I think it was introduction to, um, it would have been for Uzad's GB. I said, from this point on, gleaning meaning from all but a handful of songs becomes a pointless endeavour. <laughs> and all you can do is is just revel in the sound of it and revel in, in, the, in the language. Um, I mean, there's a phrase that pops up, I think a couple of times in, in uh, couples, which is a clotted breath. Um, and I oh, think, right. I don't know what that means, clotted breath, but there's something quite disturbing and evocative about it. I don't think oh, yeah. it conjures up very nice images. Um, but to me, it conjures up something sort of maybe choking, difficult to breathe. I, I don't know. But that, that's, that's, you know, it's, I had, um, that, that was always one of his great skills, wasn't it? Not saying the obvious, I guess. Yeah. I had, uh, I was very, Paul Hanley agreed to do one of those My Favourite Four songs for me. Um um, a few episodes ago, and he chose Frightened. Um, and he was, you know, enthused about the lyric. You know, he hasn't got knives, you know, the knives aren't out for him, he's got shears pointing at his chest. You know, that language <laughs> choice that he sometimes makes that just brings something, you know, an extra dimension to stuff. So, yeah, I mean, as I say, I have no idea what um, clotted breath might mean, but it's pretty evocative, isn't it? Yeah. And you've just got to let go of trying to... Go on, sorry, sorry, Bob. No, no, it's fine. I, I, it just, I just think of uh, for talking Prague. Like I just think of Aqualong, the Jethro Tull song. Yeah. Now I have a, I have a good friend who's a member of the Fall Forum as well, um, who is a guy called Eric, who currently lives in Arizona. Because one Prague man I never got into were, were Jethro Tull, and he convinced me. He sent me, did me Spotify mixes and all this sort of stuff, and I couldn't get into it. 
Um, but he avoided giving me thick as a brick um, because he thought, well, that's not the way to introduce you to, you know, two 20 minute songs. And actually, he read that was ideally the one to send me because I do love a long song. Um, and that's another one of the things I like about couples. I like a song that has space to expand, hence my, my liking for prog. Um, but to his, to his great disappointment, I love Thick as a Brick, and I've never heard a Jethro Tull album other than that that I like in any way, shape, or form. Wow. <laughs> I just can't, can't get into them at all. Yeah. And, you know, but if you're a big fan, Bob, don't start persuading me because I've had, I've had you know, oh, no, hours of generic about all the rest of it. So. That, is, that is not um, how I roll, my friend. Yeah, no, I, the, yeah. Jethro Tull is a recent <laughs> yeah. thing that I've only started to sort of dip my toes into. And it was that record, and then uh aqualung was the other one my, my friends and i during the pandemic when we couldn't hang out together would would get online every monday we'd pick a couple of records to listen to we'd all sort of try to sync ourselves up as much as possible and listen to these two records and just sort of chat online about them and aqualung was one of them and we were just we were really getting into it and i think it was mostly the guitar playing on that record that we really fell for and so yeah um, but no I, I i i dare not try to convince anyone one way or the other about their musical taste. <laughs> but but I, I do like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't do it so much anymore, but I went through quite a long phase of listening to a lot of post-rock, you know, Explosions in the Sky, uh, This Will Destroy You. I mean, I saw Explosions in the Sky by Manchester and they were absolutely astonishing. Right. Um, absolutely. And I'm a big fan of Mogwai as well. I don't know whether you... Oh, yeah. Um, you know Mogwai well. Um, and My wife really loves Mogwai. My my wife's a huge fan of Mogwai, strangely. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, well, my wife has, she's cropped up on the blog various times. My, my wife thinks that The Fall are the worst band ever. <laughs> um, you know, um, she has been known to come in from work and I'm, you know, in the kitchen, I've got some Fall on and she'll come in and say, what is this shit? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, she, she's she's a fan, a fan of happy, uplifting music. You know, she likes Happy by uh, Pharrell Williams and uh, what's that one about The Ceiling Can't Hold Us, whatever that song is. You know, that that's that's more her. Uh, our Venn diagram has a very, very slim intersection. Right. Oh, well, my I should say my, my, my wife has great taste in music and likes things like Massive Attack and things like that. It's just that she's not a very big fan of Prague. So when she told me yeah. she really liked Mogwai, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So there you go. <laughs> she, she, um, she came the other day when I had, um, oh, what's that Van de Graaff Generator song, that really long one, something to do with oh, gosh. chess or something. <laughs> oh, I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, but, um, I don't know. Um, that, that achieved a notable feat because she came in and said, this is even worse than the fall. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, just made, you guys just made me think. I don't know that I've ever played any stuff by the fall for or around my wife. And I'd be interested to see how she reacts to some of this, especially some of the later stuff. But, but yeah, that'd be really interesting because, you know, yeah, because our, our tastes don't match up all the time. But there are certain, you know, elements like, uh, you know, stereo lab broadcast, that sort of world of sound. So, yeah, my, my kids don't understand it at all either. Um, I mean, the only it's only my eldest who is a complete music obsessive like me, but he's he's a metal man. And he has an intricate uh, knowledge of all the good different lad. genres and subgenres. Yeah, there yeah. are so many genres of metal. It's it's bewildering, you know. Oh this yeah. Is sub subdoom death hardcore, you know, and all the rest of these <laughs> typical things. What's the other one? Black depressive metal or something you get as well. There's even I discovered the other day. There's even national socialist metal, which is a yeah, sort of Scandinavian. No, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, so metal, uh, metal and electronic music. I just 
the older I get, I'm just like, it sounds pretty much the same. I don't know why you guys need 30 different genres. I mean, I'm definitely turning into an old guy whenever it comes to like metal and electronic music. I don't understand the genre names, but whatever. Um, I've listened to quite a lot of sort of electronica, but more the sort of ambient experimental sort of thing. Uh Um, So there's 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 an online station called Fluid FM or Fluid Radio. Um, and they play, you know, Niels from and all these little fractured pieces, bits of piano and glitchy drum pads. So I, I like a bit of that. I, I put that sort of stuff on when I'm working. I'm very fond of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, but my um, my my youngest two, who are 13 and 16, have just really started to get the music a lot. But it's it's all uh, Fall Out Boy, My Bloody Valentine, Panic at the Disco, and to me, this all sounds the same. Sure, they're, they're fine. They they make a guitar-y noise. It has a you know, it's okay. <laughs> But um, my daughter's comment about, um, well, to be fair, the other day I had protein protection on and she commented that this was mildly less bad than most four songs. Now that is a ringing endorsement well, right good. there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. But generally she just, she frequently, if I've got it on, she'll just turn to me and say, was he drunk all of the time? <laughs> To which the answer is pretty much probably, yes. yeah, <laughs> or on speed, one or the other, honey. Come yeah. on, I was, or both. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, or drunk and on speed at the same. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it doesn't speed. I mean, I know, I know very little. I've had a very sheltered life as far as drugs are concerned, so I, I wouldn't know anything about the effects of speed. But isn't it true that speed actually increases your capacity to drink a great oh, yeah. deal? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, I do believe yeah, those you, do you go hand in hand with all. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, I, I've 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 rare, very very rarely strayed away from anything more than real ale and red wine in my life. So, uh, <laughs> uh, don't I'm, don't. And I'm not just out. saying that just in case my mother is listening. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I've mentioned it, my mother with the with the radio show that I've been doing, which I'll, I'll mention again just to give it a plug for people. Oh, yes, yes, please, please do. And what it, it, interestingly, what I tried to do was to, to do a podcast because when I was sort of waiting for the book to come back, I thought, well, how do I? Because I want to keep this can sound awfully corporate, but um, <laughs> I wanted to keep the Fall of Bikes brand going, sure, you know, so people didn't forget about it. So, uh, so when the book does hopefully eventually come up, and oh, yeah, that's that Fall in Fives guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I've been doing things like you know, I do a weekly thing, the A to Z of the Fall, I'm doing at the moment. Um, and I tried to do a, a, a podcast, and I bought myself a fairly decent microphone, not as swish as I think as the one you've got there. Um, <laughs> Thank you Bob, very but, much. You know, I got, got myself a proper microphone nice. sort of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I tried to do a podcast, and I had this idea that I would do themes, so four songs about this, you know, they're like, you know, uh, four songs about relationships, four songs about drink and drugs, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I, I experimented with doing it off the top of my head. I experimented with doing some rough notes. I experimented with writing a script. And I was terrible at it, absolutely appalling. It's really weird because in my job, you know, when I used to be a deputy head teacher, I used to have to give assemblies to students, you know, right, right. Taught, taught literally hundreds of kids over the years. And um, so I'm used to public speaking. You know, I'll quite happily do a presentation to 400, 500 people, not a problem. But as soon as I put that microphone in front of me, I was completely incoherent. I was, um, uh, you know, just, just, I don't know. So, <laughs> So I abandoned that, and I, that's that's why I started doing those themed playlists every Monday, because the themes I was going to do as a podcast, I thought, well, I'll make a playlist, and I'll write a blog post about it, and people like those, and they went they went down very well, and I managed to do it twenty odd, but the microphone cost me forty odd quid, and I was determined not to have wasted forty odd quid, <laughs> um, so I came up with the idea of the radio show, and I do write a script, um, I don't always stick to it, but. 
it, it's not a podcast because there's about five, six minutes of me talking in an hour altogether. So it is more like a radio show. And that, that I found worked quite well. But it's there because I'm a failed podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're talking to like successful podcasters right now either. So, you know, because uh, we the... did this for like, this is like two and a half. Well, Bob's been on several, but I started this one and then I, and then I kept forgetting to tell people about it. So, you know, we were, we were doing this for like two and a half years or something like that. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I don't know, but I know I Bob's was also trying several. to do it on, on my own. And I, I gather that it's a bit, <clears throat> it never works a podcast with one voice. You, you know, you've got to be you've got to be somebody special. I mean, these names well possibly might not mean anything to you, but somebody like Stephen Fryer and Alan Bennett are people who are well oh, yeah, known. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Alan Bennett. Yeah, yeah. Well, is, is it Stephen Fryer recognizing Stephen Fryer? Both recognizes. actually for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know who Alan Bennett is. Right off the top. Well, of Alan Bennett's a, a, a playwright, um, and well, if both of you know him, I mean, you can sit and listen to. Alan Bennett speaking for an hour quite happily. Um, oh, he's absolutely. just a wonderful writer with a wonderful delivery. Um, okay. So I think to carry off a podcast with one voice, you've got to have, I think, quite a lot of talent to be particularly engaging and a particularly good delivery. And it's obviously qualities that I, I don't have. I mean, that's why I've, I've done the guest appearances bit, because I think you do need a break from the same voice all the way through. Um, sure. But yeah. Yeah, so me and my, my bring my mum into it again. My mum always says, you know, the only when I used to ask you what you wanted to be when you grow up, the only thing you ever said as a teenager was that you wanted John Peel's job when he retired. Um, so I guess I'm sort of living out my teenage fantasy now by doing that. Nice. Well, well, glad you got to live that out at least. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, and there's only like a couple of hundred people listen to it each week, but you know that's that's enough to make it worth doing. I think, and they're oh, fun to make. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Sort of root- <clears throat> rooting about finding sort of fall rarities, bootlegs, and also related songs. So, you know, there's the Groundhogs, the Stooges, and all those artists they borrowed from, um, you know, even even down to um, the Baywatch soundtrack, of course, which is probably the, my favourite. <laughs> so I know I know you posted something on, was it Twitter, where you, you had made a list of the songs they borrowed from. So I haven't had the chance to check that out, but I was going to do that this week. Yeah, well, uh, when I was doing the blog, I did three posts about the borrows, broken down uh, logically. And you could argue, I mean, there's some, somebody suggested, oh, what did somebody put on Twitter the other day? Um, oh, I, I forgot now. But somebody suggested one that I, I can't quite hear myself. There's another one, a music scene. A lot of people say it pinches the bass line from Fodderstomp, is it, by Pill? My public image. Oh, I just can't hear it myself. I just think um, to me, mu- the song yeah. the music scene pinches from is is "We Will Rock You" by Queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, do, 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 do. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is to me. But I wouldn't put it as a borrow. Um, but yeah, the, the Baywatch one is my absolute favourite. Anyway, I made a I made a, a Spotify playlist the other night. Sadly, it hasn't got "Gloomy" by Creedence Clearwater Revival, which is very similar to uh, right. Wrong place, right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one that's missing is Belfast Boy by Don Farden, um, which was with the riff of the right stuff came from, you know, the ding, da ding, ding, da ding. Um, oh, right. Oh, okay. There is a song called Belfast Boy by Don Farden on Spotify, but it's a completely different song. I was a bit, a bit mystified by it. Huh, I don't know that one. It was a, uh, yeah, it was a tribute to George Best. Have you ever heard of George Best? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous footballer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
cover star of the first <laughs> wedding present album. Who is very talented, but but more famous for for dating dating models and his drinking right. as much as anybody. Yeah, I was gonna. He was he wasn't he more famous for being a lads lad sort of guy in 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 Britain. It seems like he's also like yeah, like Bob said, the on the cover of the first wedding present album. <laughs> yes, well, the wedding present. Um, that's you know, because that that's a forum I've belonged to for for very many. Oh, yeah. oh really? Um, it's 2006. You know, I've seen the wedding present live more than more than any other band. Oh, but, interesting. Um, not necessarily because they were necessarily my favourite band, because I became part of that forum and I've I've developed a number of friendships with people. So we used to meet up. So I'd go and see the wedding present, and sometimes 20, 25 people from the forum would all show up and spend the afternoon in the uh, in the pub. Oh, that's um, lovely. Before we even did wedding present quizzes in the afternoon before, and you know, that's tailed off a little bit these days. But yeah, they're, right, they're, right. Still going the wedding present. In fact, I was on um, did a wedding present quiz online um, a few nice. months ago. Oh man! Uh, nice. With, with David, with David Gedge that. actually hosting it. So. Oh nice! Oh. I'm so sorry to know about that. Nice. I know they just did a uh, a live stream of them per, uh, performing Sea Monsters to celebrate the anniversary. Oh, of did they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that'd be pretty yeah, I mean, I mean, there is there is quite a big parallel between the wedding present and the fall, isn't there? I mean, you yeah. you know, you've got Gedge, okay, the solitary member. I've turned up. You know, I, I've 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 online friends who you know keep up to date with every development, and those are the ones who who know the group and perhaps have organised some merchandise and stuff for them. Um, I've turned up at gigs, wedding present gigs in the past, and turned to friends and said, "Who the hell is that on bass?" <laughs> you know, because these, these people just just appear. You know, and I guess that's been the experience of many a fall fan over the years is to turn up and saying, "Who the hell right. is that drummer?" Yeah, right, right, exactly. Well, then I want to get to the question I'd like to ask any guest on here is, uh, I, I, I imagine you must have, but have, have you had a chance to see the fall live while they were, while Marky was still around? Funnily enough, for a range of, 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 of reasons, I've only seen the fall once, um, which was at the Reading Festival um, in ah. 1989 or 90. I forget which one. I went twice. Uh, and then for some reason... Um, the university I went to um, was not great for gigs. It only had very small venues, so we, we didn't get anybody big. I think the biggest act we ever had was the House of Love. Oh, yeah. Do call the House of Love at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big fan. But we didn't have a big central venue at my university. It was split into the colleges, and most of the, the, the venues that we had would only hold about four, 500 people, so you didn't really get big bands. Um, a lot of people used to – I went to university in York, and a lot of people used to go to Leeds because they had a much sort of, you know, more thriving gig scene in Leeds. But um, just after I started at York, they got rid of the, there used to be a sort of a two o'clock in the morning train home and they abandoned that. So the last train home was about half past 10. So unless you had a car, which nobody did in those days at university, yeah. we were prepared to sleep in the, in the waiting room at the station until the, you know, the six o'clock train the next morning. It was a bit difficult and it just sort of never coincided. And then it became the nineties and then I had a family and, you know, gigs were a, a one-off, you know, get a pass to go out and, you know, leave the kids behind for, right. for, for one night. And because I became so heavily involved in the wedding present forum, and that was really active in those days, and I formed a lot of friendships, that was who I went to see. And it just sort of never really happened with the fall. I don't know. I don't know. So, okay. no, I'm, I'm not one of these, um, you know, because I, I there's, there's the people on the on the forum, people on the Facebook groups, you know, seen them literally hundreds of times. I mean, Stuart Lee's seen them 57 times, I think he said, something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, no. So I, I I can't compete with that. So. so how how was the experience though seeing them at the Reading Festival? If you remember it, yeah, yeah. No, they, they were good. I mean, my 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 memories of the weekend are a little blurred. 
And again, once again, I hope I'm missing this now because we drove up um, and got there on the Friday morning because two of us at least had, had like uh, bar jobs. So we didn't finish work till closing time and we drove right. down overnight. My friend John, who was driving, very nearly fell asleep at the wheel and drove into the central reservation, but one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, so anyway, we, we got there. By the time we got in through the queues, got the campsite, got the tent up, it was like half nine, <laughs> ten o'clock. And we had a boot full of beer. And my mate John looked at me and said, well, it's 10 o'clock, shall we? And we did. And we didn't really stop drinking until until Sunday night from that point. So right. quite a lot of it. <laughs> the whole performance is on YouTube. Very wobbly camera work. But, you know, um, the, the bit that stood out for me was Jerusalem, which mm. is no longer than it normally is in retrospect. But the time felt epic. It felt, you know, the whole... It was the fault of the government and everything rumbles on behind him. That felt like it went on for 10, 11 minutes. It was absolutely, you know, brilliant. Um, yeah, no, 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 it was it was a great experience. Um, quite a lot to take in. Um, the Pogues, I think, were on the same time as well. I don't know how well you know the Pogues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty well, yeah. Uh, a, a friend of mine had seen the Pogues a few times. He said the Pogues are always either absolutely genius and magical or utterly terrible. And it really just depends on what time of day Shane started drinking. Well, <laughs> I think Shane started, drink, Shane started drinking before breakfast when I saw them because he could barely stand. I mean, he clung onto the mic stand for dear life. Um, wow. It was as much as he could do to stay vertical for the whole thing. And it was, and my, my friend, and it's one of my favorites as well, do you know Rainy Night in Soho? Yeah. Which is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful song. And it's Absolutely. my friend John at the time. It was his very, very favorite song in the whole world. And Shane was so inebriated and, you know, playing so badly. All three kept saying, don't play Ray Nine So, please don't play Ray Nine So. And of course they finished with it. And he completely massacred the song. It was, um, uh, yeah. but yeah, there you go. So, wow. Life. Wow. I just, I just <laughs> found out yesterday and I don't know how this information slipped by me all these years that, uh, Terry Woods of Steel Eye Span, the first Steel Eye Span lineup joined the Pogues, uh, right before if I okay. fall from grace with God. And I was like, Oh, that that's the Terry Woods that was in the post. I had no idea. I didn't put that together. <laughs> I must, I must confess. Steel I span are, are a band. I know nothing about whatsoever. I have to. That's a world that I'm really diving into deeply recently is sort of the sixties and seventies, uh, folk rock era of UK music between, you know, those guys in Fairport convention yeah. and that. I, I never, never really quite. I mean, I know there's a few people on the on the full forum that are very into Fairport Convention, and it doesn't really do it for me, to be honest. I get Steel Eye Span and Steely Dan mixed up as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Understandably, surprising number of Steely Dan fans on the on the wedding on the um, full forum actually. That is surprising. <laughs> um, yeah, and it just it always sounds like just bland stuff that my <laughs> that my mum might listen to. To be honest, I mean, I'm told hate- it has. Decisive witty lyrics, but it just drifts by me. It's just, I yeah. Point. I've tried Steely Dan many many times, and every time I'm just like, no, no. Steel Ice Band is I when I first heard of Steel Ice Band, I thought somebody had gotten the name Steely Dan wrong. Actually, <laughs> so I'm I'm with you. And it took did, me a minute to be do, like, <laughs> did they do All Around My Hat? Was that them? Yeah. Did they? I can't oh, remember. Nice. That, that's the one song I know by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, there. I mean, not to harp on about this. Yeah, the Fairport Convention thing. There's like that period of their that band's history that I can get with, like probably into the mid to late '70s. 
uh, after that, it's just it's all a wash after that because they just kept going for sort of diminishing returns after that. So, but there is that you know the early period with uh, Sandy Denny and Richard Thompson both being in the group, I think, are fantastic. But again, that's just me. Yeah, if you Google the Fall in Fives, you will find um, main. There's a main page on 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 Blogger or Blog.com or whatever it's called that you'll that you'll find, and it, it has the links to everything. Including the, um, the the Fallen Fives radio show, which is on Mixcloud. Um, but as I say, if you stick in the Fallen Fives now, it's, it gets googled enough that you know loads of stuff right. crops up. And, um, and on Twitter at the Fallen Fives. Um, so uh, getting getting close to two thousand followers. So if anybody wants to jump on board and get up to that magic <laughs> two thousand, I think I already follow you. So you know, if if I unfollowed and then followed again, it wouldn't help your. Uh, predicament so yeah <laughs> i mean one thing i must i must say because you had him on the show and i always feel i need to credit is an awful lot of of what i've written and put out there i have to thank dan for because he has fact checked huge amounts of stuff that i've written uh-huh. um and where there are errors it's 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 you know not because they're often just because i haven't given it to dan to read you know his his knowledge is <laughs> boggles my mind and his investigative spirit as i'm sure well i know you, you talked about when you had him on yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, finding, finding what the TV show is that appears for ten seconds in paintwork, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> that was so amazing. amazing. That was amazing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, right. I, I, I am in awe of 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 what he does for that. Like, I know, I know, we laughed about it on one episode, and then I felt bad when he mentioned it. But seriously, he's amazing. And yeah, so good for him. <laughs> he also, um, particularly on the forum, I think some people don't quite get Dan's humor. Because um, I've met him in real life two or three times, and I'm hoping to see him again in October. I've got tickets to see Imperial Wax in Manchester, uh-huh. in October. and I hope hope Dan will be able to, to get to that. But um, yeah, he he actually has a very dry wit to him, Danny. He's very very funny. But sometimes that doesn't always translate online, and some people have this image of him as a complete robot, you know, and he's he's, he's really not in real life. No, that makes and sense. There you go. I have to thank Dan. I mean, the Fall in Fives and You Must Get Them, not, not so much the Fall in Fives, the original one, but the You Must Get Them All blog, all 33 posts or whatever. Dan proofread every single one of those for me. He would send it back as a word file with annotations and suggestions and so on. So <coughs> he will get, when if and when the book does come out, he will certainly get a big, a big credit. Like the 15 barrels, the Yavos.